listening to episode 172 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our look at season two of TNT's The Librarians. And I would say, how you doing? But it sounds like you got a head cold, man. No, nah, it's just, it's, uh, it's, uh, allergies? it's allergy season, yeah. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, for sure. So if I, if I sound a little stuffy, it's just because, yeah. I feel okay. great. But uh, Stuffy or stumpy? <laughs> I feel a little stumpy, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, tonight we're here to discuss Librarian Season 2, Episode 4, titled The Librarians and the Cost of Education. But before we get to that, Wayne and I want to remind you that we'd love to hear from you. Email sci-fi-tv-rewatch at gmail.com or at the website where you can leave a voicemail using the Leave Voicemail tab. You can record your own audio clip, send us the MP3 as an attachment, or just send us a tweet at Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. We'd encourage you to consider joining the Facebook group, as a lot of you keep doing, and join the discussions there. Or you can scream as hysterically as we get into our limo. And we might even hear it. <laughs> Probably not, because we'll have the windows rolled up, yeah. and of course, we have tinted glass. So. Right, right. But, uh, you know, I've mentioned a lot of times certain shows that my wife has uh, really latched on to, and, and one of them, of course, is Lucifer. So we had a big TV night last night, finally got caught up on The Good Place with Kristen Bell, still loving that show, half hour, right in my wheelhouse for attention span. <laughs> uh, we got Lucifer. It's, you probably and, come out feeling like you still got a little bit of attention span left over at the end of that, right? Uh, absolutely. And that's why we then moved on to the next episode of Lucifer. And I'm loving Trisha Helfer as Lucifer's mother. She is awesome. And, and my wife, who's never seen Battlestar Galactica, is really loving her as an actress. And then, I, I know you've seen it, and I, I'm prepared for the barrage I'm about to receive, but we've been watching the reruns of Sherlock on BBC America. Nice. And, and it's a first time for me. I mean, I saw the first episode. I saw Study in Pink, and I liked it. But, you know, as we've said many times, my attention span, <laughs> it's really geared more to 42 minutes, and the Sherlock episodes are a little bit longer. Yeah. But so, you know, I'm I'm psyched to hear that you you finally, after all this time of me telling you how good it is, getting I know. It. But also that that first one is probably the weakest of all the episodes so far. You mean Study in Pink? Yeah. Well, well, we're now, and we missed a couple, but we're now. We just saw last night the last episode of season two when he Ooh, jumps off the boop, wow. jumps off the building yeah, to yeah. his to his death. Yeah. Or and then he? what I realized because but you've read the you've read the, the Sherlock Holmes stories, right? Well, no, okay. not really. I mean, other than Hound of Baskerville. Oh, okay. It's been a while. But yeah, look, I mean, obviously we know Sherlock's not dead. And then I remembered that that little brief scene with the with the woman in the, uh, I don't know, some kind of medical examiner. And she, he's like, I need your help. And I'm like, ah. Right. She, she probably helped him fake his death. But then I go online and there's like a seven minute preview of season three. That was apparently only released on the BBC apps, but of course it's on YouTube. So I didn't watch it, but I did find it. Yeah. Well, season three's been done. Like, oh yeah, yeah, I know. Okay. I, yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, they showed you could watch season three. Yeah, Sherlock's awesome. It's it's yeah. it's it's great. And I mean, like that was you know, obviously it was a big thing. Is he dead? Is he not? I mean, obviously he's not dead because like that kind of is the end of the show, right? It's called Sherlock. Um, but also like reading the Sherlock Holmes stories, then you know that he uh, apparently dies and Watson believes he's dead. And then like after some time, he, he just comes back. Yeah. And says, JK. Yep. 
So I, I guess they're running, it looks like they're running an episode, sometimes two back to back. So hopefully next weekend they'll, they'll begin season three and we'll take a look at that. Oh, just get so. Netflix, Dave. Come on, I, man. I know, I know. <laughs> All right. Well, before we go too far in our discussion, we've wrapped up our giveaway of the librarians and the lost lamp companion novel by Greg Cox. And the winner was drum roll, Chris Garcia in Georgia. Congratulations, Chris. Absolutely. Let's hear what some of you that sent us in your responses had to say about your favorite characters. And if any of you bought and read the book on your own, Wayne and I'd love to hear what you think about it. So, Well, Dave right. was. I haven't read it, so I'd yeah. be just well, like, all right. Like the, okay. <laughs> all right. Well, we heard from uh, Gabrielle, Gabby G, who says, my favorite character is Flynn Carson. I love how his mind works and that he has preserved some of the child he once was. This playfulness comes to light when he fights his battles with the sword and the stone, for example. These scenes are my favorites. And another reason is that Flynn Carson's played by Noah Wiley, who I first got to know in the TV series Emergency Room, ER. It's a joy to watch him having fun while playing Flynn, and I would love to see him in every episode. So I I guess you're not going to probably see him in every episode for this season coming up, but it does sound like we're going to see him much more than than previously. And and I think he's going to write and direct as well cool so yeah uh yeah i have to admit i I did like noah wiley back in the old er days um and i remember when you told me about falling skies i was like noah wiley as like an action hero seriously and i I didn't watch it for a couple years and then i started watching it and realized it was awesome and he was really good so uh yeah i I don't know i I don't even know if i have a favorite character you know but uh he, he definitely I love it when Flynn is in in the episodes for sure. Yeah, no question. And the movies I, I love. Like I don't know, Gabby, if you've seen the movies yet, but uh, if you haven't, you should definitely go and watch the Librarian movies because they're they're awesome and he's great. If you're a Flynn fan, the the movies are a must see. All right, now uh, Chris Garcia, who was our winner, and and I mentioned I think on the Facebook group that that what I did was I took the people that sent in a response, I assigned them numbers an even number of numbers i pulled out my little leather case with my d20 dice in, oh wait that's you that has uh, leather that case leather that case made. i made my own cloth okay. pouch um i i carved my own no i didn't I, <laughs> so i took my d20 and i believe it was an eight that came up and chris had eight as one of her numbers and she says my favorite character from librarian's tv show is judson he was the original oh. librarian to start with he was Flynn Carson's mentor. He's the reason that we have the three additional librarians and their guardian Eve. Because of Judson, we now have a great TV show to carry on what he started in the movie. Well, that's that's solid. I was going to say that's good good reasoning. Yeah. All right, we also heard from Patsy Glatt, PhD. My favorite librarian's character is Jacob Stone because I have so much in common with him. I double majored in art and literature, but I grew up in a family of business and industrial arts people who look at me like chickens who raised a duck. (laughs) I really get Stone having no family who understand him. I also like the way he gets all huffy about art and architecture, and of course he does in this episode we're going to talk about, and the fact that he knows so many languages, including the dead ones. I did my PhD work in paleography, editing and translating medieval Latin texts, so I love seeing a character who is a scholar and whose hero moment is changing the byline on an academic paper. Yeah. Yeah, really. That's nice. I paid my way through grad school working as an auto mechanic, so I also appreciate Stone's practical side. 
I like that he doesn't fit any of the stereotypes for an ivory tower egghead. I write fan fiction for the librarians to procrastinate on academic publications <laughs> and writing Jacob Stone feels like autobiography for me. Cool. I feel I feel sure he would rant about minims in the 14th century documents too. I really enjoy your podcasts and Facebook discussions. Thanks for the chance to try out for the book. Yeah, you know, when, when Wayne and I are staring at that uh, stack of essays, um, we usually just go run and hide. <laughs> lock ourselves in a black yeah dark room you put, put you you put yourself in you you procrastinate until you, you put yourself in a position where you have to grade them and then you know and then it goes much more smoothly once you back yeah. yourself into a corner i don't i don't know what your theory is i always put the worst ones on the bottom do those last yeah well you know i, I don't know there's something to that because if you get the 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 worst ones out first, then you're a little bit more lenient with them. Whereas once you've read like the good ones, then you get to those bad ones, and you're like, <laughs> you know. All right, I just think it's much more fair to let the you know those go well, that, That's true. All right, and then finally from Lisa King, who says my favorite character is Jacob Stone. He's a gentleman, and he's also very complex and layered, and. I mean, that is certainly one of the things that I think we all love about Jacob Stone is that he is, you know, I never really thought about it in in that term, but he is a gentleman. I mean, he really does treat everybody with respect. Yeah. Yeah. And when he sees somebody that's really not doing the same things that he does or or acting the way he thinks somebody should act, he, he generally says something. Yeah, and I think maybe part of that is you know his upbringing. Like he's more sensitive to you know people being mean and you know especially to unappreciate people, right? Yeah, I think he uh, he definitely understands that and and is more sensitive to people who are you know who are overlooked. Yeah, um, and then there's also if you if you haven't seen it yet and you're interested in last episode about uh, what lies beneath the stones, there's a you know little discussion going on in the Facebook group, so you, you should check that out if you are interested. Yep. So let's get on to tonight's episode: the librarians and the cost of education, written by Kate Rorick, who also wrote Fables of Doom and Rule of Three, directed by Courtney Rowe, and it aired on November fifteenth, two thousand fifteen. So like we were saying before we went on the air, I think it's pretty fair to say this one centers on Cassandra and, you know, maybe her biggest test to date. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, she gets to the point where she's really willing to risk everything to save the world and and, and to save the girl. Right. And to a lesser extent, Lucy. Exactly. But even, you know, that conversation, uh, you know, we'll get to it in a little bit. When she tells Eve, I, you know, I trust that you'll make the right call. That's pretty heavy because even though, you know, it's funny, I know what she means. You know, Eve is the soldier, right? I mean, she makes that tough call. You know, she's got that, that background to sacrifice 10 to save a hundred. Yeah, absolutely. And, And I'm not sure Eve would make that call as easily now but she st- certainly still leans that way, and and that's. Well, what- I, I don't think if if uh, if Cassandra hadn't talked to her, I don't know if Eve makes that call at all. But Cassandra is like, this is what I want you to do. You know, you have right. to do it. It's. I think it still would be very much more difficult for you, but at least she would do it with the understanding that that you know Cassandra wants her to make that call. Right, and I mean everything short of 
making her promise that you'll do that. Right. So, and, and also I think she just learns that sometimes you just have to jump and not plot every little detail. Yeah, sure. Which, well, which said, is pretty, right. pretty huge. I mean, obviously that's not a problem Jones has. <laughs> yeah. And Stone's right. somewhere kind of in the middle. In between, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. So, well, they're still operating out of the annex, and the librarians are off to college to investigate a missing, uh, a missing, uh, I never thought I would be saying this, a missing otter mascot, <laughs> who we so there's know. There's got to be one out there somewhere. Some college has to be the otters, right? Yeah, I would think. But we saw that he was taken by some sort of giant serpent. Right. And, you know, in, in the exposition section, you know, we find out that Wexler College was founded by this guy, Josiah Wexler, who was also known to dabble in the dark arts and the occult before literally exploding. And, and Jenkins was just priceless when he was describing uh, to the group. Now, what did you mean? He exploded or yeah. he exploded? Yeah, and and he, he showed us. <laughs> he showed us and he's like splat and just, uh, which is, I think, really what they wanted to hear in, yeah. the, in the first place. <laughs> And naturally, Cassandra's excited because she was never able to attend college because of the tumor. Um, I guess, I mean, why would that, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter, but why that would prevent her from going to college? I mean, it just seemed like her whole life just kind of like was put on. Remember, when we first saw her, she was working in the hospital. Right. So, well, yeah, I don't know. Maybe... I don't know because you say was it they think too much stress would exacerbate the uh, tumor or yeah I don't know. Well, maybe it was just that you know she had a difficult time focusing. I mean, really at the beginning, right? Uh, yeah, you know, when, right, 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 right. When we would see visually what she saw, and now it seems as if she's able to control it much right. better. So maybe that was the that's case. Right. That, she was much worse. Uh, in fact, that's probably matter, right. Yeah. Right. And of course, Jones wants no part of it until he realizes that there's a lot of uh, loot to be found that college students leave lying around. If you're if you're the thieving nature, uh, college can be a very lucrative experience. Right. But I, what I did love, though, is when he makes that that condescending comment about going to school and that yet he's the one that berates the others for not studying the security manuals. True. Right. I forgot now, that. now, granted, that is you know, his area and, and, you know, Stone is studying architectural, uh, you know, books and, and, you know, whatever else. And Cassie's studying science and math and, you know, they've each got their own thing, but he's not against education per se. I think just formal education, just education that somebody's telling him this is what he needs to learn. Right. Anything institutional, anything dictated to him, he is solidly against. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, Stone just had some fun, spiders aside, uh, doing some research on Wexler. And 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 you know that that was a funny scene. I I, I really that that would be something that I would love to see if they've included that in the you know the DVD set. You know the what it was like filming that scene or yeah. something. Well, like there that. would have to be a DVD set in order to do that, right? Exactly. <laughs> Although you figure pretty soon. Yeah, I, mean, I was having this conversation we, the other day with my wife. On this, right? Yeah, physical media. I don't know. I don't know how much longer it's going to be around. All right. So the, the team splits up. Cassie and Eve go to interview the head cheerleader during practice. <laughs> and and the, this is the first time she, she mentions this 
fact. Uh, the second time is when she talks to Stone in the classroom. But one in five Wexler students go missing, but nobody there seems to think it's a big deal. They just yeah. assume it's like that at every school. Yeah, they, they drop out in the middle of the night. They're never heard from again. It's just That's like everywhere, right? right? Exactly. <laughs> so it turns out that their team is playing Michigan this week. Yeah, Michigan. Funny that. <laughs> Do you think we could get that Harbaugh instead of the one we have? Oh, stop it. I know. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> they think Just they can win. They turn I, this I stuff around. I know. It, it, is it Eve that says magical delusion or just regular delusion? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just a little both. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and then meanwhile, Jones and Stone are interviewing the mascot's roommate who brings up one of the fraternities that throws weird parties. You actually need a paper invite to get in. And, and of course, Jones spots the invitation in the drawer, pockets it. And, and we get the rumor of rituals. And, you know, it's, I guess one of the things about this episode was that nothing ended up being what we really thought it was. Right. And except I, for Stumpy. Except for, well, except for Stumpy. And I'm, I, 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 I don't know. You know, I, I like the episode. Well, actually, no, not even, even Stumpy turned out to be different than from what he thought he was, right? Well, we didn't think I he mean, was a hero. So- Right? Well, certainly just, Jenkins warned him against yeah, but thank God looking he did, at the right? gargoyles. Yeah. Well, right. He brings up Professor Bancroft. Stone immediately recognizes this guy as an expert in colonial architecture, and he starts getting excited. Jones takes note of gargoyles along the roof of the adjacent building and clearly doesn't heed Jenkins' warning. But like you said, it really turns out to be more of a, a help than a hindrance, of course. Right. Well, it just the gargoyle is just perfect. Like the, the pose and that kind of wistful look in his eyes as he follows Jones around. It's just hilarious. Okay. Now, I would say, am I the only one that thought of a connection to the Weeping Angels? Oh, well, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, saw, the way they would move, right, they'd look, right, right. turn around, and they're there. They're there, yep, yep. Except it's not, I guess scary. it's a little creepy at first, but yeah, it's certainly not scary. Because Stumpy is just so cute, right? Well, and, and that's how Jones reacts to him. <laughs> Stumpy, stay. <laughs> I like when he covers over his ears at one time. That's hilarious. <laughs> and, and Jenkins doesn't seem to be too upset about him either, so. No. All right, so the team splits up, divide and conquer. Jones and Cassandra head to the frat party while Eve and Stone go to see the professor because Eve says, I don't want to go to a frat party. Yeah, no one wants to go to the frat party. Well, I I think Jones does. And, and, you know, Cassandra later in that conversation she has with Lucy about Things like frat parties and pep rallies and football games that that Lucy seems to have no interest in, you know, she makes that that comment that you know, you know don't overlook that, you know, that there's value in those experiences as well, and, and of course those are experiences that she was never able to have. Right. Well, I like the one where I, what was the, I can't remember they they were like asking Eva and she's like I went to a military academy. But Cassie's noted architectural design elements, which speak to a predilection to magic. And she's, of course, excited about sneaking into the party until Ezekiel shows her that, you know, I've got the invitation that prompts her to then mention that I probably should lecture you on the ethics of stealing from a missing person, but I know you wouldn't listen. Not listening now. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, that was classic. There's really some snappy dialogue they gave to Ezekiel Jones in this one. No question. And then, but but then that led in perfectly to their introduction to Lucy because they see this woman sneaking around in the bushes. Wait, are you hunting magic too? She asks Cassie because Jones is holding his little yeah. magic little detection thing. device. And, yeah. and ironically, Lucy looks much more sophisticated than the one Jones has. Now, I guess you could argue that because they're still in the annex and they don't have access to the full library, that's pretty much all they could find. In fact, you know, I think they even say that. Did it, yeah, I, I, I'll agree with you then. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't recall that, but yeah. All right. Now, I think most of us that have a heavy online experience, and because I have more time than you, I'm probably online a, much, a lot more than you. And of course, like YouTube, it's like we always say, yeah, you can find anything. You can find out how to fix anything on YouTube. It's like, you know, there's a forum for everything. And sure. of course- there's an online group that she's a member of that's interested in magic. And and I also like the idea that it's a group of women. Yeah, right. Because, you know, of course, that's something that has changed over the last 10, 20 years or so, is that more and more women are entering fields like math and science, which were traditionally uh, ruled by men. So then to have all these women with the science background Plus interested in magic. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. Very cool. And she was like just a really uh, cool character as it was. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then, you know, she immediately gets Cassandra's attention, I, I think, because of the woman thing and, and that, you know, they do have that, that bond. She <laughs> mentions that she's building a particle accelerator yeah. in her lab. It's like, right. Okay. Uh, this um, before the flash, though, right? I'm pretty sure. Uh, maybe. I mean, it's not like. Well, but you know, the whole. It's we've certainly seen particle accelerators before, and usually it's a precursor to some sort of time travel. Because you can't, you definitely can't time travel without a particle accelerator. No, no. Jones' invitation is turned away because it's not transferable. Duh. And then. Out of the blue, Lucy, yeah, Lucy gets them in. She's just like there with me, and you're like, "Wow!" Like the nerdiest character we've met so far is like has the pull at this party, you know? Right. And I'll just suspend my disbelief on that one. Well, because but it's, it's, it's Wexler, though, you know. Like, uh, well, you mean just because weird things? Yeah. Because I was going to say if she was, if she were supposed to be the hot chick on campus. <laughs> right. Okay, then we can see why the guy would let her in. Sure. But but clearly she's not. Oh, you know, she's I don't already, want to say that. I think she's cute. Well, I mean, I think she, I you love know, her the hair. way she was. And yeah, but I'm just glasses. saying, the way she's they good. had she's her dressed and what you are. Yeah. Never mind. But it's, <laughs> I know what you're saying. <laughs> she's, so got like she, that, she's got like the Clark Kent thing going on, you know? like Yeah. Yeah, true. You know what? I, I haven't seen any of the Supergirl yet this, this season. Yeah. And, you, and you know they have Superman for season two. Ooh. But uh really? you know, speaking speaking of glasses and <sighs> cute dude, now I'm um, gonna have to go start another show. I know. All right. Well anyway, uh, <laughs> so they get in. Do you see the first thing Jones does? Uh the guy the no. guy that's trying to turn him away, Jones just walks by, grabs his beer cup out of his hand, oh, yeah, and just yeah, keeps yeah. walking. Yeah. That's nice. So. It's disgusting, but but funny. Yeah. Um uh, well we assume hopefully. Jones didn't drink it, probably just did it to piss the guy off. But right. 
Regardless, all right, so Stone and Eve go to see the professor, and he tries to warn her about the professor as if she'll embarrass him, and then he goes and embarrasses himself acting like this giddy little schoolboy, and and that was probably my favorite scene (laughs) in the whole episode. And this is, I mean, this is where, you know, I mean, fans of Leverage, you'll see how different, you know, he is in in Leverage than Jacob in uh, The Librarians, you know, uh, because just completely like night and day like that would never happen at leverage yeah you know i think somebody on the facebook group i'm not sure if you responded i forgot to look but somebody was interested in in your take on the series finale of leverage yes. so you know not right now but maybe in the next couple <laughs> weeks i i could i could summarize it by saying it was awesome Okay. Well, they, I think they might want a little more detail than that. But, <laughs> we'll, we'll give you a chance to get your thoughts together and then uh, go on the record. Okay. But, uh, but I mean, I mean, the point is though, like his character's Elliot was like the most like kind of like stone faced guy ever and would never like gush like that. And so you know, while there are some similarities in that, you know, he's kind of like, you know, um, you know, like Elliot was, like he was a he was a hit he was the hitter right he was he was their tough guy he was the guy he got in a fight every single episode it seems um and uh and just completely opposite of Jacob so point is hats off to Christian Kane heck of an actor well absolutely and and again the other thing that was so great is that this man who really was I don't want to say his hero but certainly an idol in the field of architectural study. It turns out that Stone also wrote a critique of, of a, a famous work that this professor well, wrote. Famous and then by, might be pushing it. Well, at least in that world. Yeah. And then, but a well known in halfway through the episode, he realizes this guy is just a big windbag. Right. I think is the word he uses, and that the guy really doesn't know what he's talking about. And and well, again, because just, he disagrees with Jacob, right? And so, of course, he must be an idiot because he doesn't agree with me, right? Yeah. I think they bring up Stonehenge and, but but even yeah. just in, in like the colonial architecture stuff. So I thought the guy had a valid point. Yeah, you know, like he doesn't believe magic exists. Like, you know, like why is that so crazy there, Jacob? You know, like, well, that's true. But I think he even denies the fact that Stonehenge might be some sort of astronomical observatory, which really doesn't have anything to do with magic. Right. Well, he so, called it a calendar, right? I think. Yeah, I don't know. All right. Well, anyway. So, so Jones notices a gargoyle in the house. It gets his attention, but then he, he goes off leaving Cassie and Lucy together. And, and and this is the point that Cassie's trying to dissuade her from investigating magic by bringing up the typical college experiences that, that I mentioned before. And, and, you know, we mentioned that this is really an episode about Cassandra and, and finding this kindred spirit in Lucy and, and being able to experience some of the things that, that she missed out on. But it's also. But that, well, I think I'm just going to. I'm sorry to interrupt, but no, I'm that's just fine. like you know, when you say missed out, I think the one thing she kind of realizes by the end is she didn't necessarily really miss out. That all that stuff, these typical college experiences that you know you see in like movies or everyone's supposed to have, maybe it's not that you know all it's cracked up to be. You know. Well, that's true. But I guess more importantly, they all realize, and and I think Cassandra realizes it sooner than the rest of them and and maybe she's really the only one that really gets the significance until at the end and, and jenkins is that there are people out there 
like us investigating magic that believe magic is real and not sure what we're going to do about it yet, but we can't hide our heads in the sand and ignore it as if it doesn't exist. They, they need to form an auxiliary junior corps, right? Well, that's Which is like, basically what they do. <laughs> I was going to say that that might be what they are. I don't think they would want to be called the junior corps, but <laughs> but regardless. But they see the two guys headed down to the basement, and of course, they're, they're they both are thinking the same thing that uh, apparently there are ceremonies, and of course, I think for for both of us, it takes us back to our dark angel days. Oh yeah, hoods. yeah, for sure, yeah. Uh, not, not quite, quite the same, the same here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there was any bloodletting in the, in this case. Maybe a, a little spilled beer. Yeah, like beer pong. Yeah, was, but, but it, was, it was funny because yeah, they're like, you know, it has all the and, and this is where again the librarians really I love when they they take the cliches and they play with them right because obviously we're 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 along for the ride and we're thinking okay this is some deep secret organization they're probably going to like slay virgins or something like that and uh no they're just going down to play beer pong metaphorically slay or okay no i mean like literally you know like like they're gonna like you know like kill people and stuff or you know like i don't know like cut open a goat and drink its blood or something but you know they're just yeah they're just playing beer pong though you know well what i loved was you know all the things you just said and that they didn't drag it out right right yeah, quick, get the laugh, bing, bang, boom. Right. right. But along with that, Cassie notes that the entire basement is lined with what she calls onyx, which I don't really know much about onyx other than it's black, it's hard, and you know that, that it's, I guess it's usually shiny, but it just seems, I don't know, I guess it seems ominous to me. So I, I liked how they, you know, gave us the, the ominous scene that it made it funny with the beer pong. Now we're back to the onyx again, who turns up, but the gargoyle again. Yeah. Still and this is, this is the point I'm thinking like, all right, weeping angels. Yeah. Maybe. But, but again, it's just, it's, you know, like the, the weeping angels look scary. And, oh, they and did. Freaky, no question. You know? Whereas like, and like it, basically all statues do. And that, that's kind of like the thing that, that last scene in blink where they just show you, all these different statues, you realize, yeah, statues are pretty creepy in, in and of themselves. I can't, were that, was that on our list of creepy things? Do you know, if it, if it wasn't, it should be. I, we really got to go back and listen to that list again. I got to figure out what we put on that list. That was a great well, list. Well, we still got to go back and do uh, a, a new list of whether it's our favorite uh, sci-fi genre, heroines, heroes, yeah. what, whatever. You know, we just got to get back uh, to the top 10 list, man. That was yeah. a good gig we had going. That was your, yeah, your gag, gig, whatever, gig, gag, something, you know. It was fun doing them. It was fun. All right. All right. Anyway, so, so but so, the point is, like, just Stumpy's just too cute to be creepy, you know? Well, but see, that's why I was afraid of him, because he was so darn cute. Oh, not me, man. So, All right. Well, speaking of cute, Stone, <laughs> see what I did there for the Kaniacs? Right. Stone argues with the professor. Sure is for the Kaniacs, Dave. Yeah. Tentacle monster appears through a tear in reality and, and a takes tear away in my belief in CGI. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, but again, uh, we've said before, you know, and I'm sure they know, like the CGI is not that great in this show, but it doesn't matter. Like, I, I, I can totally look past it. It, I admit, it does interfere a little bit, you know. But you're right. It doesn't matter. I mean, I, I know you're not watching Agents of Shield right now, but well, but the last. Are you up to date? 
Nah. Okay, because there were a couple of, of special effects in the episode that were just really well done. I, I Again, I have no concept of, of cost involved in that kind of scene, but they that's a show that, no, you can't have cheesy special effects. And here, I don't want to say it was cheesy. It's just, you know, not super realistic, but that's okay. It doesn't take anything away, which is, I know your point. Did, did I tell you, I, I've, uh, I kind of semi know the guy who does that stuff for Arrow. I think you did. Yeah. yeah. He's like, is he still doing it or? Yeah, I, th- I think so. He's uh, one of my buddies back here. Uh, it's his brother-in-law. Oh. Uh, so right. he he comes down. I see like at, at uh, this Christmas party we go to every year. He's always there. So this year I'll bring a mic with me. And I'll interview him at the Christmas party. There you go. Hey, I'll, hey I've got that I'll little portable one. I'll get him drunk first and then I'll interview him. It'll be even okay. funnier. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, if you're serious, I'll, you know, I've got that portable I'm mic. Not and serious, record I'm not I'm not going to go to the Christmas okay. party with a microphone, no. Ah, dude. All right. So <laughs> I'll score an interview. Maybe this year I'll, I'll I'll see if I can score an interview though. How about that? All right. Well, they're in the lecture hall. Obviously, the professor's been taken. The class enters, and Stone then you know I don't want to say pretends to be the guest lecturer, but I guess he pretends to be the guest lecturer, and immediately tasks the class to look for buildings that are somehow off in in um i guess spatial i mean he runs off he you know whatever terminology well, I think they, they, they look for like the onyx right isn't that they're just looking for buildings that have i don't know but i think it's the onyx he, floors but he determines that the ones that that fit the requirements that he set out form a summoning circle right. magic symbology carved right into the college himself itself and then of course this is where i'm thinking like cheerleaders wearing uniforms to class yeah. <laughs> really well that's a, that's a, i mean again like we talked about how they're just playing on all the um the cliches of a i know all right well lucy eve and cassandra figure out that the power surges that they're noting align with the five buildings that stones isolated as the summoning circle and then again my, i guess my second favorite scene is stone lecturing because yeah. he is in his element. If he, he wasn't a librarian, oh my. Yeah. It, it's almost like they need to let him do this just once a week. Right. Well, and you can see like the just uh, for him, academia, it's not an ego trip. It's his passion. And that's why right? he doesn't get taken. Because right. it's not an ego trip. Right. Exa- yeah, exactly. Right. He's just like super passionate about this stuff and he loves it and he loves being able to, you know, and that's like, you know, I mean, that's like the best, as you know, I mean, the best times, the times like you really look forward to teaching are the times when you really get something you really, really love, like, you know, like showing the kids Blink, you know, like you sure. get so excited for that. Like, oh man, you guys are going to watch Blink. This is awesome. And if the kids are like, this sucks, which of course no one ever says because it's awesome. You know, you get, you just get like kind of pumped for that or, you know, like, I can't think of like. Like what? What's the book you get pumped for? Well, are you doing Imaginary Worlds first again? Yeah, but I'm doing Age of Miracles. So I don't know. Oh, so I'm how not, far are I'm you? Exactly passionate about Age of Miracles. Uh, we're yeah, almost. I told. Done, I, I told you. We're getting okay. through it. You're not gonna like. You, have, you've finished it. I assume. I, I didn't like the. No, idea, I didn't like. I, I like. I the, I, I'm not. I, I think, actually, I, honestly, I'm not think, sure why I'm doing it. Except for like, well, here's why. This is actually funny because this is relates because I, last year I did Illustrated Man. 
I was like super pat like that's something like Ray Bradbury I'm passionate about. Like I love doing Bradbury. I love teaching Bradbury. But like I see the kids and they're like, I don't get it, or this is dumb and everything. I'm like, I just couldn't take it anymore. I'm like, I I'd rather do a book I don't like than have these kids crap all over a book that I do like for another year, you know? No, I understand. I understand. That's why I do Ayn Rand. But Yeah. That that's a pretty good one. Yeah. So Stone's lecturing, and I love his line, architecture is just art we live in. Write that down. Yeah, write that down. I love that. It's like, dude, are you going to be around for the final? Because if not, I'm not writing it down. (laughs) Exactly. If I write it on the board, if I project it on the screen, you need to write it down. Yeah. Are you going to put the PowerPoint up on uh, online? No. Like nowadays, like write it down. Like who, who, there's no one has paper jacob can we take a picture of it with our Just phone look they have laptops and cell phones come on oh, i know so inadvertently Speaking, actually see- i got a question do you let your kids really uh type their papers on their cell phones yes because okay that was like their excuse i look there on their phones i'm like i'm like what are you doing they're like oh, i'm typing my paper yeah oh yeah i appreciate that thanks for uh coming yeah, for me but no uh, yeah i don't know how they do it but uh, i'm like I, why would you want to do it i'm like well, why would you want, I've got four Macs in yeah. the room. I've got 14 in the lab right next door and a freaking media center's right there. Yeah. Like if, if I could, if I could type something, I want something with nice big letters I can type, not my little tiny cell phone where I hit the wrong letter all the time because my thumbs are bigger than the buttons. Uh, right. I have no, I know. I know. It's crazy. But- these kids. It is indeed. They're, they're all going to have reading glasses by the time they're 18. <laughs> I didn't think about that, but you're probably right. No, the other day in class, I'm like, here, like, like we're working with this one text. I'm like, the textbooks are right back there. I mean, it's online. You can get it online. And, and, and they're all pull out their cell phones. I'm like, dude, go, go get the textbook. I'm trying to save you. You're, you're going to be reading. You got reading glasses before you're 30. Come on. Yeah, but it's too heavy. I know. So, all right. Well, let's get back to library. Anyway, back to library. I keep, I so, keep. You see, I keep veering this off. I'm not doing uh, it purposely. Okay. Just to keep veering. It's I'm, tangentially I'm, related. I'm going to stay in the straight and narrow right now. Right here. Right, right through the end. On right. focused. No, you won't. All right. So Lucy's created a situation where magic has made the circle bigger, but now she's brought into the group as Jenkins, Eve, and Cassie try to figure out what it is she's done, and. I think I can't remember anybody that they've really brought in to the inner circle. I mean, they've had bad guys that have been in the inner circle momentarily. Right, right. right. Yeah, like in the haunted house one, right? But I can't really remember anybody like Lucy. And uh, that's pretty cool. And again, if we continue with this idea that that magic is loose in the world, I mean, that's the librarian's job to to rein it in. Yeah, they're not the some, only ones let's out get there. Some foot soldiers out there, right? Right, exactly. So uh, Cassie thinks the library should be there to provide answers, but Jenkins vehemently disagrees. And then, of course, Eve's caught in the middle. Uh, and so I don't know whether this is a, a conflict that we're going to see uh, extended, you know, down the road. I don't think we do in season two. So whether we do in season three or not, who knows? But Jenkins is piecing together what this monster actually is and that it seeks out those displaying hubris which i love right too bad he wasn't at the ravens giants game today he would have uh there there would have been a lot of people 
from New York gone. Well, well, he would have taken the wide receiver that ended up catching uh, the uh, winning touchdown. Yeah, Odell Beckham. Yeah. So what did he do? He would, well, what didn't he do? Um, he apparently. I mean, I know he had an awesome game, but I mean, well, like, a few games ago, apparently he. I don't know, fumble, dropped a pass, whatever, and he goes to the sideline. And you know the little nets that the kickers yeah. kick into? Apparently he started pounding it with his fist and it fell on him and this and that. <laughs> so then the next week he did something and he goes over and he like hugs the net and kisses it. <laughs> so then today he scores a touchdown, he goes over, he lies down, pulls the net on top of him, and I'm like, okay. It just it's, it's just so good to get on sports center. Well, not that he uh, needs that to get on sports center because he's awesome. But yeah, yeah, the sixty yard and seventy five yard touchdowns yeah. would probably get him on. But uh, yeah, all right. So Lucy and Cassandra try to figure out how to turn off the particle accelerator and negate the effects. And of course, they disagree how to handle it. And and then this is where you know the big issue for Cassandra comes up because Lucy wants to turn up the power insistent she knows what the right approach is and then of course she mentions winning the nobel prize and it's like oh you're doing this not because you love it not like stone who doesn't want to he doesn't even use his right name for goodness sakes right right. i mean obviously we we saw him last week change it but i wonder if like she's being affected by like being a kind of like magic ground zero here because totally out of character like for her to become all you know braggy and everything you know well, maybe i mean we don't really know right I mean, but it's from what we've seen of her through the whole episode is we haven't seen this all, and all of a sudden she just goes crazy right yeah so yeah. so so she gets pulled through and now cassandra wants to open the rift to save lucy doesn't care that it will endanger the entire school i don't care you don't get to make this call i did what was best once and i was wrong she tells eve and i'm like this is so awesome yeah. on so many levels. Yeah, was it for best? Cassandra? Was it best? That's that'd be well, my question. That's what well, when she said that. I'm like, was that really the best thing to do? Cassie? It may not have been, but I like that she had the conviction. Sure. To to say that and to stand up. Well, as as you know, those who follow Donald Trump said, if you just kind of like confuse people for a while by saying something completely crazy, then you gives you enough time to escape. Okay. <laughs> now. I, what I also then loved was that, you know, you know, we've talked about how the team needs to be brought together and that, you know, that, that there are different things that have kind of pushed them apart. And in next week's episode, we're going to kind of see that, you know, w- with Flynn involved. But I like the fact that even though they don't necessarily agree with her after that impassioned speech, Eve says, OK, how do we summon a monster that feeds on ego? <laughs> You saw what she did, right? Yeah. Well, then they just they looked at Ezekiel, right? Exactly. Yeah. Like everyone, like said, like he's like, and it was, I mean, it's it's a it's a cliche, but I love it when like you know, you know, the one character who everyone knows they're referring to the one guy, except for the one guy. And I don't even remember if he even notices that that's what they were doing. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like an Emo Phillips joke. He's like, you know how every bus has has like that one weird kid on it. Right. Like, I, I could never figure out who it was in our bus. Well, well, Cassandra tells Eve that she's going to be the one to go through the rift to get Lucy because of Eve, of course, I'm the guardian. I'll do it. And did you notice she calls her Baird and not Eve? Oh, she I, says, Baird, I'm going to go through. I did not notice that. Huh. I, and 
again, it's just that, wow, where did this Cassandra come from? Yeah. And, and again, I think so much of it has to do with meeting somebody like Lucy, that, that it's almost like I'm not, not that she feels alone, but I mean, she really, you know, she is the only uh, woman on the team with three men, four men counting Jenkins. And, and I mean, Eve's the guardian, but she's not a librarian. Yeah, but she's on the team. You just count Jenkins on the team. So you got to count Eve on the team. You count Jenkins. Yeah, well, yeah. Part I of guess the team. Okay, right? yeah. She's not yeah, a librarian. Yeah. She's, yeah, she is only 33.3% of the librarians, but you know, she's got a sister helping well, her Well, 25 if you count Flynn. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Flynn, yeah, 25, right. Well, and then she tells Eve, you know, the line that we talked about earlier in the podcast, that if I don't come back, throw the accelerator into the rift, which essentially means she'll never be able to come back. And I trust you to make the right call. Pretty heavy. Yeah, really. Yeah, that, that's the, as, as heavy as it gets on the librarians. Yeah. Now, I love how they filmed Cassandra in the other dimension, you know, because it wasn't really slow motion. Yeah, and, it's just, yeah, it's weird motion, I should And call the it. colors were kind of off, but not really. And it was just kind of off. Well, she finds Lucy, but it's apparently- like what they, they they save for kind of like when someone is like experienced like a drug experience, right? Yeah, they go to yeah. that kind of uh film. Yeah. Almost like Alice in the One Alice in Wonderland kinda. Yeah. So Again, uh, drugs. Yeah. The professor and the mascot apparently already dead. Lucy gets safely through the rift, but it closes before Cassandra can make it. And then Again, the the biggest mind bending scene in the entire episode. The monster's about to get her. A woman appears. Don't worry, I've got you. And then she finds herself underwater. Well, right after they stop the monster, just cold. Well, well, just now like freeze it like they hit the pause button, right? Well, this goes back to kind of like that scene with Morgan Le Fay at the science fair, where now she's in between space and time. And then she sees right. three women, yes, women chosen just like you. We've been waiting for you for a very long time. Yes. Now, and I didn't recognize the one you did. Yeah, it was Beth Reesgraf. <sighs> That's it? I love she. <laughs> she was my favorite character. That means leverage. nothing to me. Okay. Yeah. She's my, um, yeah, she, she was, she was on leverage. And she played uh, Parker, and she was awesome. And she was like, and again, like you would see like this role and think she played like someone who was like totally together and normal and everything. But Parker's like the weirdest character on the team by far. But okay. Beth Reesgraf is great. Like she's just like a really, really good actress. And uh, she was actually, you posted a picture of her actually once. I did? Yeah. Uh, she was like playing golf with John Kim. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. So, yeah, but so the beginning, like, so it's so funny because when I saw this originally a year ago and the opening credits, the name Beth Reesgraf meant absolutely nothing to me. But this time when I saw her name in the opening credits, I was like, what? It's like the whole time I was just, when is she, where, who is she? Like I couldn't, because I couldn't remember like the episode well enough to to remember who she played. But then like the minute I saw her in the, uh, in the lake, I was just like, boom, there it is. Right. And I don't know if these women are supposed to be somebody, you know what I mean? Somebody from mythology that, that 
I'm supposed to know or should have researched, but well, either way, just like kind of like the, the lay of the lake, right? Okay. And, and the, they practice science and magic, which is obviously right up Cassandra's alley. They see her as worthy of joining them because they're looking for people who truly understand magic, but then she turns them down, which of course we knew she would. But then I also like the fact that they tell her the offer is always open. Yeah. Which means we might see Beth Reese Graf again. Nice. <laughs> All right. So we're back at the annex. Jenkins and Cassandra discuss her meeting with the three women. I'm not sure how Jenkins knew about that, unless I guess Cassandra told him. Mentions that they stopped time, like Morgan Le Fay, and then she mentions that she was tempted by the offer. And and and, and again, you know, I, I love what they do in these epilogues because it always seems as if Jenkins is having this this heavy conversation, all, almost a uh, uh, kind of a debrief with whichever character was at the focal point of the episode. Last week it was Stone, of course. Right. And he mentions that there's a debate older than time about the best way to deal with magic. Sure. The lake, they've always been ambitious. <sighs> you need to be on your guard for whatever happens next. And then Cassandra's like, whatever happens next? Whatever happens next, remember that I chose to stay. Yeah, that was a great line. Oh, it's an awesome line. And, and, and then she keeps going, though. Yeah. You know, for the first time, I feel like I'm choosing my life instead of running after someone else's choices. And I like this better. And I don't know if any of that has to do with the tumor, whether it has to do with her parents, whether it has to do with what she felt was expected of her as a librarian, but it's as if she's in control now, total control. Yeah, and that's I mean, and that's kind of what we said even from uh, last season is that her evolution as a character and part of it is for her to like kind of like assert herself and gain control over her own life and and not have things dictated to her and. Uh, yeah, this is where she really kind of comes into her own this episode, which is great. It's great to watch. She's a great character, a lot of fun. I, I love, out of all the characters, I mean, the one who, like, because you really think about, like, yeah, we we cracked into Stone's past last episode, but he hasn't really changed, right? He's been pretty much the same. And Ezekiel is never, ever going to change, ever. So, you know, um, but Cassandra has literally, like, grown up before our eyes, right? Well, true. Now, now we could say Stone by changing his name on on the, yeah. But I mean, that's like baby step, baby step, right? Whereas, like Cassandra is like, like big time is making like really momentous uh, changes to to her character. John Coltrane. Okay. Giant steps. Okay. Jazz album, he played, early sixties. Right, okay. okay. All right. Anyway, um, <laughs> all, right, so, all right. Anything else you want to say? Uh, no, I don't think so. You know, I, I mean, I, I'm going with an A minus on this one. I, I, I really liked it. By the time I do the blog post and, and upload it, maybe I'll go full on A, but I, I'm going to go A minus for right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, I'm, I'm giving a full A. I, this okay. is, this, I really like this episode. I, I, I like the, the pacing was awesome. The writing was fantastic. Um, and I didn't realize that this Ray had done those other episodes, and those also were episodes that I really, really, really liked. I mean, 
like I said, I mean, like I think a mark of a really truly great episode is it gets to the end and you're like, are you? It's done already, you know? Like, like the pacing was just so awesome. And oh, we forgot to mention Stumpy sacrificing himself. Good point. You know, but I don't. Jones trying to pick up the pieces. Yeah, the the sound effect of the whimpering dog. I I didn't need that though. That that was that was hurtful. That was sad. Yeah, but yeah, Stumpy was came on like a boss. Well, I guess that'll do it for this one. Um, You know, you know, obviously we're not going to get all the way through season two before season three arrive so we still haven't decided what we're going to do yet whether we're going to double up or we just won't get to all of them before season three begins but uh we'll figure it out yeah we'll figure it out we still have some time but there's a couple double episodes in this one in there is it like two other i'm not sure i'll have to look but i think i think there might have been like two times when they showed two episodes together but i'm not sure if they always were like a continuing story type thing you know people that have been around uh sci-fi tv watching fadeless (laughs) for the whole you know, from the beginning are going to say, you know, you guys are getting soft, man. You guys used to do four episodes in one podcast. Yeah, that's true. There was a time. We were young and crazy then. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of young and crazy, want to thank you guys for joining us tonight. We'd love to hear from you with follow-ups about the librarians. Some of you, if you've read the, the book, The Librarians in the Lost Lamp, we'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Anything you think we should be watching, encourage you to join the Facebook group and if you're already a member, spread the word. You guys can spread the add love. people to the group on your own. Emails to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com or voicemails via the SpeakPipe tab, which you can access through the website. And we'll be back next week to discuss Season 2, Episode 5, The Librarians and the Hollow Men. But until then... I got nothing, man. That, that was a line. That's a line in the episode, actually. <laughs> <laughs>